In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with today's edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Atlanta United defeated the LA Galaxy 4-0 on Wednesday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Joseph Martinez opened the scoring in the 13th minute. Yamil Assad followed in the 16th minute and the 20th minute. And Miguel Almiron rounded out the scoring in the 43rd minute. Assad had assists on those two goals uh, as he probably played one of his better games uh, in the red and black this season. Uh, the victory pushed Atlanta United to fourth in the East. Uh, it's within two points of Chicago with a game in hand uh, as it really tries to push for that third or fourth playoff spot so we can get home field advantage in the postseason. I'm joined by Jason Longshore, uh, one of the radio voices for Atlanta United and also uh, the leader of soccer down here. Jason, how are you tonight? Doing well. Uh, first half was insane as they have been here at the Benz quite often. Uh, second half even the guys who weren't subbed out, I think, kind of got to take a little bit of a breather. Definitely the pace slowed down in the second half. 17 goals in four games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Is this team rounding into playoff form? Is there still work it needs to do? They're rounding into form right now. Uh, tonight was a little different early on, and then Adam Schick and I on the call were talking about it. L.A. really took a lot of the initiative early and were mm -hmm. committing you know, large numbers forward. And... I'd love to hear what the thought process was if Atlanta expected that and if they decided to, to almost rope-a-dope L.A. in some ways to sit deeper, look for the counter opportunities, which this team's so good on the counter, but they rarely get to play on the counter. And there were a couple chances before the first goal where it was inches off with a through ball or a ball over the mm -hmm. top from connecting, and it just felt like a matter of time. Yeah, I thought the Galaxy played well for the first 12 minutes. They, they really only had the one good shot by Gio Dos Santos uh, that Guzan pushed over the crossbar, mm -hmm. one of those backward pushes with the left hand, I think, over the bar. But they were still bossing the game, and Atlanta United just didn't seem to really have anything going. Uh, like you said, they were off on a few passes. I didn't know if it was fatigue or if they were just off. And then suddenly, they got that first goal, and you don't want to say the Galaxy quit, but when you look at the score sheet and see that two more goals happened within seven minutes, uh, the energy seemed to dissipate from Los Angeles. Uh, that's not new this season. It's happened over and over and over again for this team that just is built oddly, uh, really, really oddly, ravaged by injuries, which hasn't helped. Um, but we'll see how they bounce back. What did you think of Assad's performance tonight? Was that the best one you've seen from him this season? Easily the best we've seen of Yamil Assad. Whoscored.com is my go-to for stats and digging mm -hmm. deeper into things. And I have never seen this all season long. Yamil Assad with a perfect 10 rating. Oh, wow. Uh, two goals and two assists will do that for you, though. Right. I mean, he was that good tonight. When you start digging into just how influential he was, he 
had, you know, a lot of Atlanta United's possession. His passing was 80%, which is very high for an attacking player. Uh, the assist on the first goal, you know, on the Martinez goal, uh, he just absolutely left Garcia for dead with yeah, his he dribbling in, in the box. And in a it perfect, may have been a mistake. It looked like he tried to do something and tripped. That's the thing about Yamil. That's the thing about Yamil is his dribbling, he's not the prototypical player. Like, right. he doesn't look smooth all the time, but it almost works to his advantage a lot of times. He's so tricky because he's not the fastest. He's not Vishalba or Almiron or Martinez in speed. He has great vision, and I think he's really good at controlling the ball in close quarters. And those things came out tonight, and he was the best we've seen of him. And, you know, we haven't seen him really take over a game before, and he absolutely did tonight. Now, he does, Martino referenced this after the game, he does a lot of things that you don't notice, especially right. for a midfielder slash kind of forward. And again tonight, I'd have to go back, I don't know if I can do this, I'd have to have somebody from the league office do this, but he again led the team in chances created with two. He again led the team in tackles with six. He was tied with, with actually uh, Chris McCann. And I know he leads the team in this, fouls one in two. That's something that if you look at their box scores, game after game, you're going to see Assad lead or near the leaders in those categories every single time. And we must remind that he is still not a permanent Atlanta United player. He is still on loan. Um, so we're going to have to see what happens in the offseason. I think Atlanta United is going to do whatever they can to get him, but within the structure of the league and designated player money and TAM, it's doable. It's to see how it's going to how it's going to work. It's doable. When you start to look at, at how it might have to go down, the transfer fee to get him rumored when he was brought over in the Argentine media was, was 1.8 or 2 million. Okay. I've seen both numbers thrown around. That would make him a designated player unless you can spread it over a couple years and at least make him a TAM player. Right. But you have the option with Tito Vishalba just being a designated player by a small amount. Right. You have the option of buying him down and making Assad that designated player and Tito becoming a, a TAM player. You've got some flexibility there. And one of the biggest questions we get consistently on soccer down here is, what about Garza? What about Assad? If you have to prioritize one, which one do you prioritize? And for the longest time, I would have said Greg Garza because left back is, is more of a, a premium position. It's harder to find a left back of Greg Garza's ability. But if Yamil Assad can keep playing like this and being this influential to be the fourth man in the attack right. and be this influential, yeah. I mean, how, who do you pick to stop right now in this attack? You know, if you commit numbers back for Martinez to, to shut down those runs, it creates space for Almiron. If you try to clog up the middle, on this field especially, it creates space for Vishal and his speed wide. And then if you, you try to take out all three of them, you're stretched so far, Yamil Asada has acres to work in. Mm -hmm. You just you can't shut down all four. It's impossible. Yeah, the one guy that we have barely spoken about, we did once in the beginning, and then you just mentioned him, was Martinez. Scored again. His 17th goal and his 8th goal in the past four games. He is only one goal off the leader, David Villa of NYCFC. Two off. Is it two off it's now? two. Yeah, Villa's okay. on 19. 
Oh, okay. I thought it was one. Uh, despite playing half the minutes, uh, it's unreal what he's doing right now. Well, when you start digging into this game, I mean, that's the thing. And it, it's easy to forget because the second half was pretty boring, to be honest. I mean, the oh, yeah. game was, was done by that point. But you start to look at these numbers. I mean, Martinez you know, made plenty of great runs in the first half. Could have had more. Could have had more opportunities. He had some great runs in the second half, too. He did. And you start to look at, at the numbers a little deeper. Carlos Carmona, who never gets talked about in this team. Right. You know, Carmona, 96% passing. Mm-hmm. And that's not just on a few. 68 of 71. Mm-hmm. You know, that is incredible to be doing on a regular basis. I right. mean, he, he's right around 90% for the season. Mm-hmm. And that's so critical. And that's why when we talked about it after Saturday with Lorenowitz having to drop into the back line, Carmona forced into a little bit different role. That pairing of Lorenowitz and Carmona, which was not the idea at the beginning of the season, right, is so critical to building the spine of this team, and it allows the front four to do what they do. And it's Carmona when he can build out of the back and create, you know, the the link between the back five, if you include Jeff in that, and the front five. Carmona is just absolutely critical, and he leads the pass that to the pass to the assist so often. Right. And another guy we haven't spoken about was Perez, who came back from his one-game uh, suspension uh, as a result of yellow card accumulation. And I thought he was a beast tonight. Oh, yeah. uh, he has been locked in his past few games after a couple of rough outings. Um, he's he's so difficult to get around because he just he doesn't mind putting your butt on the ground. Mm-hmm. He's got no problem with that whatsoever. But he can play too. That's yeah, yeah. The, that's the thing about him is he can get physical. He can get nasty. He can be that that kind of heavy and. In the, in the back line that you need at times, but he can also play. And I, I think of the diagonal ball, he hit about 60 yards diagonally to Tyrone Mears kind of yeah. late in the second half that if, if Mears had controlled, he's in. Yeah. That's the other element that Gonzalez Perez brings to the table. And he had 91% passing tonight. Parkhurst, <laughs> it's a little different because he wasn't under as much pressure, but 78 of 80. I mean, the team was at 90% passing. That That's ridiculous in this yeah. league, and it's ridiculous for a team at this level to be doing. Well, they, they were playing, t- you know, a man up for a while, so they that it skews it a little bit. It does help, um, but that is just, it's crazy when you start to dig into how well this team is playing right now. And Jeff Lornowitz was harassing people all over the field, mm-hmm. showing no signs of, of fatigue or energy. Tonight was his uh, 352nd appearance or something like that in Major League Soccer. He's now tied for 10th all time. You wouldn't guess that he's in his 30s no. watching him run around. Um, who else? Uh, McCann had a very <laughs> keep going tough, through everybody. Had a tough task tonight with uh, Alessandrini on his side. Handled him for the most part pretty well. Really, the only hiccup Atlanta United had was a tackle by Perez of Alessandrini that I thought he was lucky to not get called a foul on uh, in the first half. Um, it was right outside the box. Yes. He put a hip into him, knocked him down. I guess that um, the official thought that it was a dive and did not give the foul. And that was what led to everything kind of picking up a notch because that happened. Then Alessandrini went in late on somebody and picked up a yellow. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Jermaine Jones incident with Tito Vichalba where we, we finally got a really good replay on it because I couldn't tell if it was intentional or not until one replay that was shown on TV where Jones was diving out of the initial tackle from Vichalba and his, his legs were up to avoid the tackle and and he kicked at, at Vishalba okay. in the air. It was a pretty impressive karate move, but it was a red card. 
Uh, and Brandon Vasquez received a red card. Uh, so y'all understand how this stuff works. Each home game, there is one pool reporter that's allowed to ask the lead official a question about something that occurred during the game. I have to write out the question. The question has to be submitted to the official. The official has to agree to answer it. And then the pool reporter, again me, has to go and hand him the question in person, confirm that I wrote it, then I get to ask him and then he gets to answer. I wondered who our pool reporter a, was. That's awesome. It's a kind of an odd no, process. But anyway, the answer was uh, he thought it was serious foul play, excessive force on Vasquez. I disagreed, but I'm not a referee. I thought it did deserve a yellow card. I didn't yeah. think it deserved a red, but that's either here or there. Yeah, so 100% lot, yellow. Yeah. And, and I thought it was a, a silly challenge for Vasquez to make at that stage of the game. There was no need for it. And he invited the possibility of red with how hard he went into it. Just unnecessary at that point. And now he has to sit out uh, one game because it's, I don't think, well, he did say excessive force though. Uh, not maybe violent more, conduct, excessive force. If it had been studs up, I could see maybe an additional suspension. I don't, I don't think yeah, that I think would get it. And I don't think Atlanta United will try to fight it because you only get three uh, chances to argue uh, cards yeah, during no the need season. On that one. Um, so last question. Um, can this team be beaten at home in a playoff game? Yeah, they can. Um, you saw what Orlando did against Atlanta. I think playing direct against Atlanta is probably their biggest weakness, especially against a team that's strong in the air. Uh, it's going to be hard, though. I mean, the way Atlanta plays right now, when this attack is firing like this, it's hard for teams to defend that. And while defensively, I think direct play, crossing play set pieces are, are my biggest concerns, I don't think a team can shut them down. That's that's the biggest thing for me is I don't know of a defense in this league who has the combination of speed, of tactical savvy, and just the ability to slow this, this momentum down when they get going. I don't think there's a defense in the league who can play with Atlanta United when they're playing like they have in the last four. Right. And maybe you can get some goals on them like Orlando did, but Orlando also was near perfect in their attack. Yeah, those were those were low percentage crosses, mm -hmm. uh, great headers. I mean, great passes, great headers, but low percentage. You can drop that ball ten times and hit it, and I don't know how many times you're going to put it as perfectly as Orlando City did, to their credit. This field is, is just perfectly set up for Atlanta United. The wide pitch, the speed of it. I think this team was built to play right here. They're showing it right now in these last four games, and I think there's more points to be had here before the season's done and I don't think any team in the Eastern Conference including Toronto wants to get into a must win situation at the Benz. Right. Alright Jason tell everybody how they can find you. Follow me on Twitter Longshoe uh, Soccer Down Here we're Monday to Friday 9 to 11 a.m. at Soccer Down Here on Twitter and blogtalkradio.com slash Soccer Down Here. Sirius XM if you're listening I would love to have Soccer Down Here on the radio in that 9 to 11 a.m. slot leading into Jason Davis's show. Uh, this is Doug Robertson. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And I hope you'll subscribe to the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast on iTunes. Atlanta United returns to action on Sunday, hosting Montreal, which beat uh, Toronto, handed Toronto its first loss at home this season, 5-3. to three. To be fair, Toronto was playing without many of its key players. Uh, but Montreal needs to win
win uh, to keep its slim playoff hopes alive. Atlanta United, of course, needs to keep winning to keep pressure on Chicago and NYCFC to try to get at least a, a fourth uh, playoff seed in the East. Y'all have a good night, and we will talk to you later. I'm Ernie Suggs, racing culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.